Hey, good morning, Shades. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If you've been following us in this series, we have been in the book of Kings, 1 Kings, as we've looked at the life of Solomon. But when you look at the book of Chronicles, it, uh, it sort of mirrors Kings. And uh, I want to go to 2 Chronicles 7 because it is a passage that mirrors 1 Kings 9, but there's some things in it that I like uh, a little bit better, and that's where we're going to find ourselves. And today we want to talk about the choices as we continue to look at the life of Solomon. Now, uh, Solomon, we have called this a uh, thinker. Builder, leader, and king. Thinker, because of all the wisdom. And we know about that as he's written the book of, of, of Proverbs on there. Builder. And we talked to last week about building the temple and that palace that he had and that whole complex over there. And, uh, and so he's also a leader and a king. And a part of what's happening today falls right into his place as a leader. And so Second Chronicles chapter 7, and I want us to start in verse 11. So if you'll look in your Bibles to verse 11. And we're just going to walk through this, and uh, I want you to not only have your Bibles open, but also there is that note, a uh, little sermon note sheet that we've got. In just a few moments, we're going to put a diagram up, and I would strongly encourage you Turn your notes over and to put this diagram, it'll make everything make sense, okay? Without the diagram, you're lost. So hang in there and, and follow me with this. So we're going to start right here, and it starts in uh, verse 11, and it says, uh, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in, its, in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Now, right there is a miracle in itself. Verse 11 says, we built the temple, got it completed. We built the complex, a whole temple complex, got it completed. It took 20 years to do that. And he said, we got everything that we wanted. How many of you have ever built a house that when it was done, you said, I got everything that I wanted? Probably none of us, because when you get ready to get into a house, you go, well, oh, I wish we could have had this. The design wouldn't allow us to do this. Money didn't allow us to do this. Solomon, 20-year plan, looked at everything. He said, everything I wanted. Well, did you want to? Got it. How about, got it. Now, he was the richest man in the world. That does really help uh, on there. And also the wisest guy, wouldn't you love to question him about that? I don't think that's going to fit. Trust me, it'll fit. Okay. Oh, okay. So he got everything that he wanted, and all was accomplished. And so in the midst of all of this being accomplished, he is entering into his 24th year as king. Reigned for four years, then he started the building project. That took 20. So he's 24 years into his reigning and he says, and then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night, and he said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Then the Lord appeared to him. It was interesting, I don't know why that just jumped out at me, is that the Lord appeared to him at this time. Oftentimes when we say the Lord appeared, we're asking for God to appear to me as I begin something as I'm starting a new career, as we're starting our family, uh, or as we're progressing through it and, and then we're navigating our kids through adolescence, or uh, I've got a crossroads where I have to make a decision. That's where we're looking for God to appear. But God appeared 
at the pinnacle of his success. He had accomplished, he'd accomplished the most important things. And when his legacy is written, his legacy will be building the temple and building all the palace and all of that. And in the midst of that, God appeared to him. And God appeared to him and he told him, he says, listen, this temple that you've built, I just want to let you know, I'm pleased, my name's there, offer sacrifices in it, everything's good. You're sitting there, Solomon said, wow, God's appearing to me at this time, this is good. But then he gets to verse 13. In verse 13 he says, and when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. It will heal their land. Now, verses 13 and 14, you see those together. Now, verse 14 is something that we're very familiar with. And in fact, most Christians believe that this passage was written 3,000 years ago for the United States for the 21st century. Amazing. Uh, it has no application to anyone else until the United States uh, in 21st century. Well, there's only one thing about that, and that's just, it's totally wrong. Uh, he wrote this to Israel, and he wrote it at that time for that land. And so it's for those people and for that land. However, we can still take those principles and apply them to our nation. We are a nation that's built on Christian values with a legal code that's based on the Ten Commandments that has enjoyed the greatest prosperity of any nation in history. And for years, we have been a nation that's consistently turning our backs on God, trying to remove Him from the public square, the classroom, the workplace, and even the military. And as we continue to travel this downward path, God is clear that he will pour judgment on our nation. And in some ways, we are already experiencing some of that. But the principles in this passage are not limited to a nation, but they apply to us as individuals, and they also apply to us as a church. And so, as you look at these verses, let's just kind of, let's, let's just dissect it for a moment. Verse 13, the very first word is the word when. It's not if. It's when. He says, when I bring drought, when I bring the locust, when I bring pestilence, when I bring my judgment on you, when. That means it's coming. That means that God has looked down the road and he says, you're going to rebel. You're going to turn away from me. I know this is going to happen. And he, but he wants to go on record in saying, but I am a gracious and a merciful God. And I'm going to provide some provisions for you. And so even when we turn our backs on God, even when we rebel against him, he is not pleased, but he is not surprised. And he's telling Solomon right here, when this happens, when all of this judgment happens, it's because the people have turned and gone their own way. Now, let's start putting together a diagram here. Let's look at the very first slide here. The very first slide is the when. And we're, just, we're going to just use this one word to talk about turning away from God and living with the consequences. Turning away from God and living with the consequences. He says, when this happens. And I would think in most of our lives as believers, 
There will be sort of a roller coaster, and there are times when we turn ourselves away from God. And when we turn ourselves away from Him, we experience the judgment of God, and we live in the consequences of that. And so he says when we do this, but there's no question until you get to verse 14, and then he says if. Verse 14, he says if. And if is the choice. When it'll happen. Every one of us, we're going to sin, we're going to fall away, we step away from the way that God has, has uh, led us, and all of a sudden we're in our, uh, living our own life. He says, every one of us is going to be in the wind. Then you come to the if, and he says, if my people who are called by my name, if my people, my people, those are the followers of Jesus Christ, called by my name. Hey, to me, he just adds to it. He could have just said, if my people. We know what that means, those who, follow, who are following the Lord. Called by my name. The word name often means the character. And he says, I'm talking about my people who are called by my name. My people who are embracing the character of God. My people who are loyal to God. And people who are living out God's character. If my people who are called by my name. Steve Farrar's written a lot of books. 25 years ago, he wrote a book called Standing Tall. And in that book, in Standing Tall, in one of his chapters, he had a chapter called Riding for the Brand. Riding for the Brand. And he took this from a Louis L'Amour Western novel. And so he quoted him. He gave an explanation. Well, how do you explain riding for the brand? And this is how he explains it. The term riding for the brand was an expression of loyalty to a man's employer or the particular outfit that he rode for. Many a man who came west left things behind him that he would rather forget. Much was forgiven if a man had courage and he had integrity and he did his job. And then Steve Farrar took it a step further. He says, once you've been called to ride for the brand, your past is taken care of. You are totally and completely because you've been bought with a price, and the blood that bought you covers it all, your past, your present, and your future. And he says, so what is the brand that we ride for as believers? He says, we ride for the 212 brand. Two nails through the hand, one spear through the side, two nail-scarred feet, the 212 brand. And he says that what the 212 brand represents is that the blood of Jesus Christ was poured out for us there on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We were bought with a price. And when we accept that, we then are called to ride for the brand. Now, there's some of you that are sitting out here and you say, well, that very first thing says, if my people, says, I'm not one of God's peoples. <laughs> You know, I've never, I've never made that decision. And I just want to, to lovingly share with you today that that would be the greatest decision that you could make because of our sin, which has separated us from God. And it says in the Bible that the wages of sin is death and that we will be separated from God for eternity. But the free gift of salvation is through Jesus Christ, his son who came to a cross and he shed his blood for us. And that's why it says the blood has covered our sins. And then three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead, and so there's victory there. And when you make that decision to receive him, 
You're one of his children. John 1, 12 says this, to all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that when you make that decision for Christ, you're riding for the brand, <laughs> the 212 brand. And you know what God's telling Solomon? He says, listen, Solomon, when the drought comes, the locusts come, the pestilence come, if my people who are riding for my brand, those who've been called by me, he said, if they make this choice, and that's the fourth slide. The fourth slide is this, then I will. This is your choice. This is you speaking. Then I will. He says in verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will, and then he gives four things, if they will do these four, humble themselves, pray, seek God's face, and turn from your wicked ways. That's your choice to make. Now, you have an option over here. And did I leave out the one with the arrow on there? See, you have an option when you go from when to if. If you choose, you don't have to do a then I will, humble myself, pray, seek God's face. You can just go right back and hang out in the win area. You can just hang out and say, I want to continue to turn away from God. I want to live with the consequences. Or you can say, I'm in the middle of living in this drought. I want to do something about it. What are you going to do? Then I will do these four things. I will humble myself, which means I submit to God. I push pride aside, and I'm utterly dependent on him. Then I will pray. I will pray. Now, I like the way that that God is telling him, you need to humble yourself and pray. Sometimes we do 911 flare prayers, right? Uh, to where, man, I'm in a fix. <laughs> Shoot a flare up there and say, God, I need you to help me right now, right? Uh, uh, man, things are in a really difficult situation. Can you help me right now? Do one of those prayers. He said, I don't want one of those prayers. What I'm looking for is humility. For you to understand you're totally dependent on, on God and you're totally dependent uh, on him, his life, his character, then I want you to pray. And then I want, when you pray, I want you to seek my face. Seek my face. And when you seek his face, it means you seek the presence of God. You want to reach out to God. You want to be into his presence. You want to know him even more. And then he says, you will turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways. Now, focus on that for just a moment. There comes a point of decision. God says, yes, you are going to turn away from me. It's going to happen in our lives. You can either stay there or make a choice. And the choice would be, then I will. Humble myself, pray, seek your face, and I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. It means I'm going to head in a different direction, stop doing what I've been doing, and head and go towards you. And you see, when we are living in the wind, we're experiencing the consequences of those choices and experiencing God's judgment on our lives. And either we can continue that or we can go to then I will because when we get then I will, it will lead to obedience and lead to blessings. And that's where the next slide is. And that is when you, after you choose yours, then I will, then God will. You choose, then I will, boom, then God will. Look what he says in verse 14. 
God says, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. He will hear, he will forgive, and he will heal. We have to make the choice. Then I will. And then what does God do? He says, Danny, I'll hear your prayer, I'll forgive your sins, and I will heal your life. Now, if you've got that, let's put it all together and do this verse again. Verses 13 and 14. Are you ready? When God shuts up the heavens so that there is no rain or commands the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among his people, when I'm living in the judgment of God, then I will humble myself and pray and seek his face and turn from my wicked ways. Then God will hear from heaven and will forgive my sin and heal my life. That makes sense? That's his promise to us if we make that choice. We say, well, okay, well, uh, so if, if I do that, then what would be the next step? And that's your next slide. And that is, you'll be forgiven, you'll be spiritually healed, you will be refreshed. Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. You will be forgiven, you'll be spiritually healed, and you will be refreshed. Acts 3. Let's see what Acts 3 is. Acts 3, 19 through 20. Peter, and Peter is speaking. This is after Pentecost. And just as an aside, you know where he was speaking? On Solomon's portico. Woo, kind of a cool little tie-in there. And so while he's speaking at Solomon's portico, he makes this statement right here. He says, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This ties in exactly what we just talked about. Repent therefore, all right? Then I will. I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. You turn again. I'm turning towards God. And what will he do? He'll hear your prayer. He'll forgive your sins. He'll heal your land. What will he do? Your sins will be blotted out. And that times of refreshing may come. I just love that phrase, times of refreshing. Now, for any of you that went to a football game yesterday and sat out in a 100-degree heat or whatever, and I know I'm a wuss, I stayed home, all right? I was in the air conditioning on that. But some of you that sat through those games, that was about as, as, as uh, nasty as can be probably. The heat was oppressive. I mean, you're just stuck to your clothes, and you just couldn't wait to get home. You got home, you took those clothes off, you probably burned them, and then you got into a cold shower or something, and you just took the water on you, and, and then you got hydrated you know, with water. You got hydrated, and, and man, you are just, you're, you are refreshed. And now you're in something comfortable, and you're sitting in your den, and it's an air-conditioned setup, and you're sitting there going, this is refreshing. I'm refreshed. This is, this is spiritually what we're talking about. Because you've been in the wind, you've been in the drought, and now you've got an opportunity to be refreshed. Let's see the entire diagram up here. Let's put this up. See, you were starting in the wind. You were there. You were in the drought, you got the locusts, you got the pestilence, you got all kind of things that are happening to you over here. And as you're living in that particular area, there finally comes a point in your life where you say, I, you know, I really got to make a choice. And in fact, every day you make a choice. 
And oftentimes we say, I'm just going to keep doing that. I'm not going to change anything. And you're just there in the drought with the locusts and the pestilence, okay? He say, I just need something to change. And that's why he comes down, and that's why he says, if my people. He didn't say, then naturally my people will. No, it's if my people. And that's where it comes down to, then I will. You standing up saying, you know what? I'm tired of this. So what are you going to do? Then I will. I will humble myself. I will pray to God. I will seek his face, and I will turn from my wicked ways. Once I make that shift, God says a promise I will hear that prayer. I will forgive those sins. And I will heal the land or as an individual, I will heal you as a person. And that healing kicks into refreshment. I will be refreshed and ready to go. Now, title of the sermon is uh, Choices. So let me give you on, your, diet, on, uh, on your, your point here, first point, choice number one is this. Choice number one is stay in the win or choose then I will. Stay in the win or choose then I will. Now, if you don't have the diagram... This makes absolutely no sense, okay? <laughs> and that's when you send me a text and you go, hey, what's up with that? Uh, the win. If you understand what the win is, okay? And then you choose. You have the opportunity. Stay in the win or choose, then I will. And God's waiting for us to make that choice. And there's some of us today that you know right now you're in the win. You're there. You're there. And you're just tired of it. And it may have been this morning, this message, this time to open up this familiar passage of Scripture to where God gets a hold of you and says, you don't have to continue to stay there. There's a way to get out of this. And if you'll just go on and make that, that decision to humble yourself and pray and then seek God's face, turn from your wicked ways, he said, I will take you into places of refreshment. There'll be healing, uh, there'll be forgiveness, and there's a whole new start for you on that. Okay. There's only, only two, uh, the second one, the final one. Choice number two is this. It's longer, and I think I told David, I said, we'll leave this up for 20 minutes. All right, no, <laughs> everybody can write it down. <clears throat> it's good, though. You need this. Walk in loving obedience. Leave a godly legacy. Walk in loving obedience, leave a godly legacy. Or willfully forsake God's word and leave a legacy of pain and distress. Walk in loving obedience. When you're walking loving obedience to God's word, you will leave a godly legacy. Or if you willfully forsake God's word, you will leave a legacy of pain and distress. I'm going to leave that up there. I'm going to, and if you got your Bibles, we'll keep that, but I want you to look in verse 17. Because after he 
he'd, he'd done the, kind of the famous verse 14. Then he says, hey, my presence will be here in 15 and 16. And then verse 17. And as for you, zeroing in on Solomon, and as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules. Now, though Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, he got lots of reminders from God of what he was supposed to do. David, his father, told him almost this exact same thing right before Solomon became king. Then when he became king, God told him this same thing. As he got ready to build the temple, God told him this same thing. In the middle of building the temple, God told him this same thing. Now he's finished the temple, God telling him this same thing. Do you think this is important? Do you think they just kind of keep driving this thing down to him? And what's he telling you? He says, I want you to walk the way your father walked. Do according to all I've commanded you. Keep my statutes and my rules. Be obedient. Obey the word. Obey the words that have been given to you. And he says, this is what I'm asking you to do. And what will the result be? Well, verse 18. Then I will establish your royal throne as I uh, covenanted with David, your father, saying, you shall not lack a man, uh, not like a man to rule Israel. So he says, there'll be a godly legacy. And every one of us, can determine our own legacies. If we walk lovingly obedient to God's word, and I put the word lovingly in there because there are some people that feel that what you need to do is be obedient to God's word, carrying a big Bible, hitting people over the head with it, and constantly hammering them. No. Walking obediently uh, to God's word. <clears throat> and when you're lovingly, obediently walking God's word, when it's all said and done, there's a godly legacy that you will leave. But on the flip side, he comes back to verse 19. He says, but, you know, aren't there sometimes when you were hoping that God just would have closed the sentence? And uh, you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. And if that was me with God, I would have said, man, that sounds great. Hey, got to go. I love it. I'm going to leave on a high note. All right? Walking out of here. This is sounding so good. And then he goes, but, let me just remind you of this, Danny. And now he's taking it from him and taking it to the nation. And he says, but if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them. What he is saying, if you actively, willfully, purposefully turn away from God's teaching. This is not out of ignorance. He knows God's word. You are actively turning against God's teaching and embracing the gods of this age. Because he says, you will go and worship and serve the other gods. He says, when you do this, and as I read this, it's almost like either a parent really getting on to their kid or, or a boss getting on to an employee. And he says this, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll pluck you up from that land that I have given you and the house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight and I'll make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. That reminded me when I was young, I heard someone say, hey, you do that again, I'll slap you so hard you'll be smiling out of your hip pocket. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> pretty serious about this stuff. It's kind of what he's telling him. I'm going to pluck you up right where you are. You know that land you're in, the promised land I've given you? Out of there. 
and you'll be subservient to someone else. Hey, this temple took seven years to build it. Oh, I love what you've done with the place. It's incredible. It's so ornate. It's so beautiful and everything. means nothing. Cast it out of my sight. My presence will not be there any longer. And then he goes to verse 20. At the very end of 21, he says, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. Ooh, I'll make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. It's not the great temple you think it is. It's something that will be ridiculed and will be mocked. Why? Because verse 21 and 22. And at this house, which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished, and they will say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? And then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods, and they worshiped them and they served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. Wow. It was an art. It was, um, it was just something that was going to be ridiculed by others as they were in shock. When they looked at the land, they looked at the temple, and they said, why did all this happen? It is said because they took that God who had gotten them out of Egypt, placed them into the promised land, and they abandoned him and said, I want to worship the gods of our age. This is where I want to go. And they said, and that's why all this disaster came to him. That's why, willfully forsaking God's word, you will leave a legacy of pain and distress for both you and for those that are closest to you and those that are in your sphere of influence. And if I may, before I close, this choice applies also to churches. In three weeks, we move back into our beautiful remodeled worship center. And if we become enthralled with architecture and technology and slide into the abyss of cultural Christianity where we fear men, tweets, and social media posts more than God, then he will remove his presence and we will become a proverb and a byword among all the peoples. And if this happens... People will drive by 2016 Columbiana Road and they will see this massive campus facility and beautiful worship center, powerless and in disrepair, shake their heads in astonishment and say, they abandoned the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, who freed them from the slavery of sin and eternal punishment in order to pursue the broad road of political correctness, unbiblical tolerance, and the philosophy of if it makes me happy, it must be right. Every church, listen, Every church has to make the decision whether to be a Second Chronicles 717 church that says that we will walk in loving obedience to God's command or be a Second Chronicles 719 church that willfully forsakes and compromises God's word, worships the idols of this present age. The first leaves a legacy of kingdom advancement. The second leaves a legacy of irrelevance. So we have choices before us. We have choices before us as a church as to what we stand for. But we have choices as individuals as to decisions that we make and choices that we make. And you see, if you look on that diagram, we talk about the win, you are in the win. I'm not talking about your kids or your neighbors or your parents we got to look at it, us, my life, 
in the wind? And am I living a life that is turned away from God? Am I living a life that's really more me than it is God? And I'm caught in that cycle of constantly doing that. And yet I look at that word, it says if. There's an if right there. If that gives me a choice, what will I choose to do? And if I will make that choice to do the then I will, then I will humble myself. I will pray. I will seek your face. I will turn from my wicked ways. And you know what God says? Boom, right there. God says, guess what I will do then? I will hear your prayer. I will heal you. And I will forgive you of your sins. And guess what you get? Refreshing. I'm going to bring refreshment to you. So it's my hope and prayer that each one of us sees ourselves in the diagram. And our goal is to be able to ride for the brand, have the character of Christ, experience those times of refreshing, and be able to have a legacy in our life that advances the kingdom. And when it's all said and done, it is a godly legacy of a man, of a woman who has lived for Jesus Christ. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we are so thankful for this day. And I uh, thank you for the challenge that you give us in your word. And uh, Lord, I just pray that each one of us will, will put ourselves in the diagram and find out where we are. And that uh, we will look to you and say, God, I, I don't want to be far from you. I want to be right there with you. And today, help us to take those steps so that we can walk hand in hand with you to have the life that is an abundant life that you have promised us and a life of significant impact that will change people's lives for eternity. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.